Welcome to The No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Hey, what's up, what's up? Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Whatever time of day you're listening in, I am grateful you are here. Welcome to another episode of The Know with me, Nikki Spo. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing Megan B. Murphy, the author of Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. So Megan B. Murphy is an author, editor, on-air personality, lifestyle and health expert and influencer, a home hack master, and a certified trainer. Megan was recently named editor-in-chief of Woman's Day, which is the number one selling magazine on newsstands, along with guiding Woman's Day creative vision, which reaches 18 million readers each month. Megan also develops strategic partnerships across all platforms, conceives of new ways to generate revenue and promotes Women's Day in the media as a regular guest expert on Live with Kelly and Ryan, Today, Good Morning America, The Dr. Oz Show, and many more. And recently, Megan launched her own podcast entitled Off the Gram with fellow wellness influencers. She has a wealth of wisdom to offer us today, and I can't wait for you to hear from her. Let's dive right in. So, oh my gosh, Megan, Megan B. Murphy, you are a, so you, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't contain myself, but you are, you are just like a woman of exceptional energy. I love it and I want to emulate it. And you have this, I just want this type of energy in my life, which is really why I bought your book, um, Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. So yay. Thanks for being on my show. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. Okay. So I want, okay. I want to start by having you tell the story of the grumpy charm. I like to tell this story simply because some people would say I'm like really like a rainbow unicorn at this moment in time, but this is absolutely not how I started. And my nickname as a kid was grumpy. And I was a sulky, miserable little kid to the point where my parents gave me a grumpy, the dwarf from the seven dwarves charm that I wore very proudly around my neck. And when we wrote the fifth grade school play, we got to write our own characters. And I wrote the character Neggy. My character's name was Neggy, the embodiment of negativity, because that's who I was. I can't even believe that. Yep. So Neggy Meggy, was it Neggy Meggy? Neggy Meggy. (laughs) surreal to me now. And I, and I always laugh about that because people who know me now are like, yeah, all right. And people who knew me then are like, how did you do that? Like that was a pretty substantial transformation. Okay. You're going to freak out. I have this charm. You're going to freak out. I have this charm and it's a sad face. It's a crying, sad face. I don't know if you can see it. Okay. So for the listeners who are not watching this on video, I literally have, it's an, it's a gold emoji charm that has a crying face and it has tears. Like, and it's not the laughing emoji face. Okay. It's the crying one. And my husband gave it to me. I wanted this charm. I wanted this charm because I was like the biggest crybaby in the world, right? Everything was catastrophic. Everything was the world is ending. And I literally, he gave me this. He didn't even, he was like, I don't know. I just want to make you happy. Like if that's what you want, like I'll get you this silly little charm. I don't totally understand why you're proud of being a crybaby. But I read that part in your book about your grumpy charm. And I'm like, no way. There's somebody else in the world that was proud of their negative tendencies. So I have this and I'm wearing it today because I actually... So I, like you, I continue to wear it, um, kind of like as a reminder, 
right? Of yeah. like where I came from, like how I was and how I am now and how this part of my life is not something that I like am ashamed of anymore, but something that I like actually honor and I'm grateful that I went through that so that I can like come on to the other, come up over to the other side of things. When my father was dying, I got a dress with a sad face on it. Um, and I got a sweater with a sad face on it. Just There was a moment where Mark Jacobs was making this entire collection of sad faces, unlike his original happy face collection. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I must be his muse now because my father's mine and this is exactly how I feel. And I wore the sad face dress, the sad face sweater, sad face sneakers, a sad face makeup bag. Because what I told myself is I'm going to allow my clothes and my shoes to be sad for me outwardly. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay strong and, and project it all on my clothing. Okay. So then here's a really sexy question for you. What are you wearing, Megan? Well, right now I'm yeah. wearing uh, jean shorts. I'm chill from the waist down, but um, I am wearing a little flutter sleeve, Mark Jacobs. Orange is my power color. So I've I always that. got your book orange. is orange. It's my favorite color. I feel like we should all have a favorite color and everybody should know it. Okay. So my favorite color is lime green. Okay. But like you wouldn't know that from looking at my wardrobe because literally everything that I wear is pretty much black, white neutrals. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you if that's okay. Like, am I allowed to be like a happy, positive person, but also be all black everything all the time? Sure. So I write about a concept in my book called I call it dopamine dressing, and it's really this scientific theory of enclosed cognition. And so what we wear really truly affects our mood. I dress up to feel up. I dress the way I want to feel. The thing is about, the thing for me is bright colors and patterns and orange make me feel energized and more alive. The cool part about this research is that that is different for everybody. So if you feel empowered and energized and in charge and control and good in sleek head to toe black, that's your dopamine dressing. That's if my you, dopamine dressing. Yes. And so it's, so it's like that looks, dressing up to feel up looks different for everybody. There's no right power outfit. So I want to ask you, before we get into like the specifics of like what you've written in your book, which I think is that we could spend like forever on, but what does it mean to you to live your life fully charged? It means living in a way that you're proud of with reserves of positive energy, understanding what makes you feel full and good. Um, I really outlined some of the key aspects in life that can help you feel more refreshed and recharged and alive. So whether that's, you know, practicing gratitude and having an attitude of gratitude and how energizing that can be, or looking at the health charge or working on relationships. I mean, there's different ways that we can get these little bolts of electric energy, um, all scientifically proven. So it's just operating at full battery in all those different areas of your life and knowing how to do that. I like this idea of having reserves of positive energy. I feel like everybody could use that. I mean, I know I could personally use that. I feel like there's times that are obviously that are, that are hard, right? And I need to, it's like the love bank, right? The love bank concept where you make all these deposits into your love bank and they last long. And so this is like your, whatever, your positive energy energy bank account where we have to put deposits in, deposits in so that when we need to take a withdrawal, there's funds there, right? Of that positive energy that we can take out. Because living fully charged is not, you know, good vibes only, good days only. I mean, that's toxic positivity. What it's really about is that when crap happens, you've got the tools to handle it with grace. And it's really about those reserves and those resources and those tools to handle everything, right? To make small choices, take micro actions every day that have this big payoff ultimately. 
So to talk about the things that are difficult, I, I read about your personal rock bottom in your book, and I wanted to see if you were open to talking about it here. I feel like it's an important lesson in being able to shift your perspective and ultimately shift your life in a bigger way. You know, it's interesting. When I was in my teens, I had, you know, that angsty naggy Maggie that, that led to some tumultuous teen years and some big feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. And ultimately, I wound up with a raging eating disorder. Um, my friend and I, my best friend and I, we're practicing an eating disorder together. So we would exercise for seven hours together and starve together and take laxatives and do all the terrible things. And ultimately I landed in the hospital. I passed out on the soccer field and was put in an eating disorder program in the hospital. And our parents were friends and she was en route to be hospitalized with me because she clearly needed help too. And tragically she jumped out of the car. What? And she died. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was pretty insane. I'm 16, I'm in a hospital program, and now my best friend is dead and I feel guilty um, that I didn't say the right thing, I didn't talk her out of it. I, I, you know, I'm on a pay phone, you know, like, well, sometimes like if I see people's reactions and I'll get choked up, because it does sometimes, it's so I'm so removed from it, but like, wow, that was crazy. Now that I have a kid, a daughter who's 11, I'm like, wow. How did I get through that at 16? Because I can't imagine that for her. I wrote this really powerful essay about overcoming adversity and moving through tragedy and finding the gifts in adversity. And it won me a $10,000 college scholarship. I wound up being on like an NBC special and Trissy Yearwood performed and I got all this national attention, which ultimately led to my magazine career because YM Magazine called and said, oh, we want to tell your story. And I was like, fantastic but I want to write it. And I also want to be an intern. Can I start on Monday? Okay, thanks. See you Monday. Um, and so my entire career was born from this tragic event that I was brave enough to write about. And so I talk about this all the time now. When you make your mess your message, you connect with the world in ways that can be incredibly powerful and unexpected. I'm just so moved by this. And I feel like, you know, in some capacity, I'm trying to do that for my life. Um, you know, as I shared with you before, it's like I I really wasn't sure if I should discuss publicly like my own, like my childhood sexual abuse and my sobriety. And I found that, you know, a, a former guest on the podcast, um, Evelyn Mendel, she said to me, it's, um, oh my gosh, I don't know whose quote it is, but she said, if it's mentionable, it's manageable, you know? And so that really really gave me the confidence to start sharing more about my journey. And since doing so, I've, I feel like I've helped some people feel less alone, you know, um, and feel like they can step into their authentic self and live, live a life of healing and grace and authenticity, just really true to themselves and being okay to let go of the painful stuff that holds us back ultimately. Because often the way through hard times is with the help of other people. And the only way you can get that help is if you're vulnerable and, and if you put yourself out there in a way. I can remember when I found out my father was dying, I went to Orange Theory Fitness and I'm like running on a treadmill and I just started hysterically crying. Like I was, I knew stage four pancreatic cancer, like it wasn't good. And I'm bawling on the treadmill, right? I can't control myself. And the woman next to me is like, are you Okay. And I'm like, I'm not okay. I mean, I just lost it. And I'm like, my father's got stage four pancreatic cancer. I mean, I just was like, 
hot mess express. And it turns, she turns to me and she goes, Oh my God, I lost my father to pancreatic. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And she became my grief mentor. You don't have to share it so publicly, but you have to share with someone. You have to say it out loud to someone or you honestly can't really heal. Well, and that's the power of shared experience, right? This is why like support groups are so important. Like, and they sound kind of like from the outside, if you've never done something like that or been a part of it, it, it sounds like cheesy and you're like, oh my God, a support group. But like, really, there is just so much power in shared experience. Like, why is it important to avoid emotional bypassing? Like, how do you honor these valid, tough feelings and now like continue to step into your yay? So in present day, like, what does that look like for you now? Like when, and I'm not talking, and I don't necessarily mean like, like life changing events, but I'm talking about like the day, the day to day things. Like how do we not do that whole emotional bypass thing and still continue to step into our yay and our most highest, most authentic energy positivity? It really, I think for me, it just starts with taking care of myself and checking in with myself and and often putting myself first in certain ways, understanding that there are certain things that I need to do, non-negotiables every day to be okay. I need to sleep. I need to protect my sleep. I need to move my body. I need exercise. I don't, I'm not okay if I don't take my medicine, which is exercise and movement. I need community. I need to be social in some way every day. If I am alone in a house working from home without any interaction beside my kids hanging on me and fighting, I'm not okay. And if that means I'm going to the drugstore just to have an interaction with one of my favorite cashiers, that counts. That's the power of the so-called weak ties. We need other people. And once we realize how much we need other people, um, it helps us to, to learn how to be okay. So there are just certain things like that, the, the dopamine dressing. I understand that no matter what I'm doing in a day, I need to shower, I need to get dressed. I started doing fake eyelashes and it's the best thing that ever happened to me because I feel just when I wake up, right? And, and that might be the kick in the ass I need to handle my day. Okay, remembering the big picture is a theme in your book, right? being able to see negative experiences as blips in the big and complicated picture of life, right? Super important, right? Like I, people don't get like, if you make a mistake, that doesn't mean you are a mistake. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means this one thing in the big picture didn't go away. You didn't get it right. You didn't win. It doesn't mean you're a loser because you lost at X, you can't let one of those dips def defeat and deflate you. So one of the things I'm even practicing like with my young children is like, you know, like toddlers, they have these huge feelings, right? They like have these big feelings and like their tantrum is like earth shattering, right? For them in that moment. And I, one of the things that I started practicing recently is telling my three and a half year old that I'm like, okay, this is, moment is going to pass. I tell him, I'm like, Santiago, this moment is going to pass. You're having really big feelings right now. We're going to breathe it out. Your feelings are valid, but it's also going to pass. Like you're going to feel happy again. And he's like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure you're going to be happy again. And I think about that. I'm telling my son this and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I took my own advice every time that I'm having like a hard moment or I feel like I get anxiety. I have anxiety. I take, you know, I, I take medicine for my anxiety. It's a part of my life. Um, and I have to work through that all the time all the time. I have to like coach myself down and I'm like, okay, this feeling is going to pass and we're going to come to the other side and you're going to feel calm again. 
I think sometimes we all need a little bit of a tantrum. It is such a good release versus like bottling up all this angst and fear and whatever it is, right? How is having meaning a key component of well-being? You have to have purpose in life, right? I mean, it's one of the key tenets of happiness. So if you feel like your life has no meaning or purpose, that's a recipe for disaster. And that purpose can come from anything. It can come from caring for a plant or a pet. It can come from volunteer work. It can come from anything that makes you feel like you matter and that you're contributing, that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's really like purpose can truly be anything. I feel my big, larger purpose is to leave a legacy of positive energy. But on a smaller scale, like what is your purpose? How do you find meaning in today? And so to be clear, like your book is not about that, right? Like your book is not about finding your purpose. Your book is about like implementing strategies, right? In your day-to-day life. Exactly. But I, but I talk very much, a lot about in the work charge chapter about, you know, finding passion and purpose to make your work work for you, right? Because if you have no, you, you might need your job. It's your paycheck. You can't quit your job. So how do you job craft so that you have this sense of purpose? Mm, job might, craft. Yeah. I might hate my job, but you know what? If I start to reframe it and look at it, okay, well, this job is going to give me skills in this area um, to move to the next thing that I actually want to do. And once you sort of start to look at it, like this is serving a purpose. I'm going to I'm going to learn these SEO skills and I'm, and it's going to help me move to this next job, right? How can you do that in any situation where there's some grain of purpose, right? Like I, you know, don't love my job, but it allows me to have flexibility so that I can coach the little league team, which does make me feel like I have purpose. I'm using my skill set. I'm volunteering. I am being a part of my kid's life and whatever that is like, what makes you feel like you matter and that you're contributing to something outside of yourself? I, I think one of the greatest gifts for me was having kids because it made me feel less important, right? It gave me a sense of purpose outside of myself. It allowed me to start to get out of my own way and realize that like, yeah, I matter, but like so much more, I, I have so much, a, such a bigger calling to be here. So can you tell us about the importance of having habits and practices? Well, I think just the way kids need routine and rituals, I think people need some kind of structure. And it doesn't mean you have to like live and die by this structure, but I think people are creatures of habit and those habits keep us healthy. So having a sleep routine is actually really, really fundamental to optimal health and happiness. Like our bodies need X amount of sleep. So I think it's really important to note that People need routine the same way kids function better with a routine. They need a sleep-wake schedule. We need a sleep-wake schedule. We need activities. We need a structure to our day. It, it's just the key to happiness is having some kind of structure. And so let's talk about what living your fully charged life is not. You touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but I feel like we can totally elaborate on it a little bit more because I think there's a misconception of what it is. So let's talk about what it is not. Sure. So what it is not, it's those it's those baloney Instagram platitudes like good vibes only. Mm-hmm. Good vibes only is such, it's toxic positivity. And, and like, I'm probably guilty of wearing a good vibes only t-shirt at some point in my life, right? Because I want good vibes, but I want good vibes mostly. Oh. And I think- the, Yeah, that's the key to living fully charged is understanding like, yeah, bad things happen. 
And we're not going to brush them off with a smile. We're going to acknowledge them. We're going to sit with them. If it hurts, we're going to let it hurt. If it makes, you know, if it makes us angry, we're going to get mad. We're going to, we're going to experience whatever that negative emotion is. The key is the positive, the, the fully charged person doesn't stop there, doesn't get stuck in that negative emotion. They take positive action steps to inch forward. And that's really the key. You let it hurt, but then onward. So when we talk about this forcing positivity, it can actually backfire then. So why is it important instead to shift it from uh, forcing positivity into prioritizing positivity? Well, you're never going to get what you need if you don't live honestly, right? So everything's okay. Well, if it's not and you need help, you need connection, you need support, how are you going to get that if you're faking your way through life and you're hiding your pain and you're hiding your anger and you're hiding your... You, you, you can't get what you need if you're not honest. And toxic positivity is a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves to function, to be okay. And I want to help people, give people strategies to move beyond that, to understand that it's okay to hurt and it's okay to be mad, sad, angry, all the things, and then move onward and not get stuck there. So what role does hope play in living a fully charged life? Yeah, to, hope is just positivity. It's a synonym for positivity, right? Like if you're hopeful, you're optimistic that things are going to be okay. And a resilience trick that I always love to share in terms of having hope is that whatever bad thing you're going through, flash back to something bad you've been through before and remind yourself how you got through that hard thing because you're a person who does hard things and you will do a hard thing again. And I think that's really important is to stay hopeful and optimistic because you are a person who does hard things. Think about, think back to that thing you've already overcome. Look at you, you've overcome addiction, right? And you might have to overcome it every day for the rest of your life, but you did it and you're doing it because you're a person who does hard things. And what about patience? Because patience is hard. I wish I had more patience. Um, and I, I have to work on that daily because I move really fast and I, and I like need things to be, I need to keep moving like this because it's how my life works. But, um, you know, it's, it's important to pause, to really stop and, and take a breath and understand why we're getting impatient and why we're getting frustrated and what action step we can, can take to counter any of that. My frustration is usually involving my children who are not listening or, you know, or running late for school and I can't get them in the car or they have just tracked dirty shoes in the, through the entire house. Um, and I, and I have to look at why pause and really look at why that's making me so mad, frustrated and impatient. Um, cause they're little kids like they're, they're like getting into the car late is really that that's actually my fault, right? Okay. Then I need to wake them up 10 minutes earlier. I would have more patience if I woke them up 15 minutes earlier and we were less rushed. Okay. That's on me. I read something somewhere and I, I've been like telling my, my three-year-old this and I, another, it's another piece of advice that I need to listen to myself, that patience is waiting with a positive attitude. Oh, I love that. Um, Megan, you also mentioned that you received a newsletter from Dr. Angela Duckworth that explained that situations may be objective, but attention is subjective and it shapes our reality. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
yeah, we get to we don't get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we react. That's what we do have control over, right? Like I didn't get to choose that my dad would die of pancreatic cancer. I do get to choose how I live with that, how I move on from that, how I honor his memory with joy instead of pain, right? So that's no matter often you can't control the circumstances of your day. Always you can control your reaction. Do you feel like your book is is one that can help people get unstuck? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I think what I'm what I'm good at, my secret sauce, is reframing things and giving people um, like actual actionable tips and tricks and strategies to look at things a little bit differently, to maybe re- to react, to be able to react and handle things in a different way. Like everything is really, really simple. I'll tell you how important it is to practice gratitude, but I'm not going to tell you to keep a gratitude diary. I'm going to tell you to ask yourself what made you say yay today and share it with your kids at dinner. Or I'm going to ask you to change your have to's to get to's. I don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. I get to at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. And so that little bit of reframing, rethinking, just changing some of your stinking thinking with small, easy tips and tricks and strategies. How does that make your day more energized and fully charged? Well, and that comes back to like the practices and habits, right? So it might be difficult to, like, I get overwhelmed when I have to like totally shift my whole life around, right? If I'm like, but it's easier when I can do it, take it step by step and day by day, right? And I follow a program that says one day at a time, right? Because I cannot, like when I think about my whole life and like the goal that seems so daunting, that's why we do baby steps, right? And even in planning, like I'm in my planner and my, my calendar, I'm like, these are my small goals, right? These are my goals for, this is my big goal for my life or year or whatever. And then I'm like breaking it down, right? Like, okay, where do I want to be in six months? What can I do within these first three months? What can I do this month? What can I do this week? What can I do today? That's the key to, to tackling any goal is to, yeah, have this big picture pie in the sky goal, but then you need to break it down into bite-sized action steps. I mean, I can't say, oh, I want to run a marathon and go out and run a marathon tomorrow. I need to say I want to run a marathon and okay, I'm going to do my, you know, I'm going to do this slow tempo run and this track workout, and I'm going to work up to my first 20 miler in three months, right? It's, you can't tackle something without taking the baby steps to inch toward it. I think the other cool thing is that one positive action step just leads to another. Like good begets good. So if you're able to take that one positive action step, chances are you're going to do the next thing too. I like to talk about starting my day with making my bed, right? When I, once I make my bed, that small sense of accomplishment and control first thing in the morning always leads me to accomplish something else and something else and something else. It's just this, you know, cascade of positive action steps until, wow, I'm having a bad day, even though I woke up pretty uh, angsty and miserable. I mean, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where you have a positivity bank, right? Like these small actionable steps are really deposits into the positivity bank. Exactly. So can you explain the acronym PERMA when you reference PERMA-charged? So I love Martin Seligman. He's sort of the the forefather of positive psychology. And he came up with this acronym PERMA in the PERMA theory of wellness to sort of describe what makes people flourish. And so the P is for positive emotions. And that's things like gratitude and, and love and all of those kind of things. And then the E is engagements, right? Like you need to be engaged in something 
Um, the R is for relationships. People matter, you know, our relationships with our loved ones and strangers matter. Kindness matters. Um, meaning is, again, like it all comes back to purpose. Like what do you assign meaning to? What gives you meaning in life? And then the A is for accomplishments. We need those gold stars. We need to feel like we're, we're you know, you know, doing things that matter and have this sense of accomplishment. And so the happiest people, the people who flourish is what researchers like to say, happy people, they're flourishing or thriving. They check a lot. They, they check most of those boxes, right? They're, they're working at all of those aspects of their life. I love that. So, I mean, I, Megan, I could go on and on with you about your book. I would, I would love to have the opportunity sometime down the road to like sit with you and do a deep dive on like all of these chapters in your book. I feel like that's a much, much longer discussion. Um, but I wanted to be able to give a brief glimpse of what your book is all about, because I think it is so impactful and it has so much to offer. Um, where can people connect with you? So you can connect with me. I'm pretty busy on Instagram at Megan B. Murphy, M-E-A-G-H-A-N-B Murphy. It's like big spelling. Um, and I'm editor-in-chief of Woman's Day Magazine. Love and it. I've got a podcast called Off the Gram, which airs on Dr. Oz's OzTube network. And the book is available wherever books are sold on Amazon. If you like it, rate and review it, share a picture. It's like a report card for authors. And, I, and the one thing I'll leave you with, too, is what I really loved in doing this book and doing the research and, and writing it was that it really is based in positive psychology and neuroscience. And until the late nineties, when Martin Seligman came along positive, like psychology, the field of psychology just looked at what was wrong with people and how to fix it. And positive, the positive psychology movement looked at what was right with people and how to emulate it. And this book is really about what's right with people and what's right with people who get it right and how can we be more like them? I have loved reading your words of wisdom in your fully charged life, Megan. I'm so grateful and I've so enjoyed speaking with you today. I can't Yay. wait to connect with you again. Let's do it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your energy. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Mm -hmm.